This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, it's Monday, and uh, we're going to have some week this week, and uh, this is the... uh the show that's going to tell you what the heck is going on in the studio with us. We have Judge Richard Weinberg. We have Congressman Peter King. And I understand uh, the uh, state chairman, uh, Ed Cox, uh, may be uh, walking any minute now. And there's so many things happening. I understand that uh, President Trump is at the uh, Trump Tower. And there's a few people... Uh, yeah, quite a little bit of a crowd there, uh, gearing up, of course. Um, he two just, sides. Yeah, two sides. Have they slugged it out yet? Not yet. Apparently, the NYPD is separating them appropriately, John. Uh, but we're hearing that he's hunkering down with his attorneys right now at Trump Tower and then heading to the courthouse tomorrow, 11 a.m., and 215 arraignment. This is an unbelievably historic, unprecedented moment. We got it covered on Cats and Cosby. We're going to be talking to Bill O'Reilly in one second. We have Andrew McCarthy and we have Roger Stone, an action packed show today, John. And we're going to start off with Bill O'Reilly. I mean, he is one smart guy. Uh, you bring him in? Absolutely. The mega best selling author, of course, TV host, radio host, his new book. Um, wow, he's got a couple ones coming out. Killing the Witches. I can't wait for this one. 19 million books sold. Bill O'Reilly, great to have you here on Cats and Cosby. First of all, Bill, of course, we got to get your take on what is about to happen in a matter of hours with President Trump. Well, I don't know what the um, indictment is going to say. That's the big story after the, all of the optics are uh, completed. So what is the uh, indictment going to say? And then the lawyers will jump in and the usual um, back and forth, the people who don't like Trump, people who like Trump. But here's something interesting, and I, I'm leading off my show at 9 o'clock on WABC with it. Uh, the mantra that went out, and, and everybody should know that every morning, uh, Democrats and liberals have a conference call, comes out of K Street in Washington, and they're given the talking points of the day. And uh, TV broadcasters use them, uh, journalists and newspapers use them. And the over the weekend, the talking point was no one is above the law. How many times have you heard that, right? Yep. No one is above the law. Well, that's not true. So uh, we did trace back after the George Floyd riots, and it was 17,000 Americans arrested, 17,000. Do you know how many went to prison? I'm afraid to ask. Go ahead. Wow. Two. How many? Two. He's saying two out of 17,000. Is that right, Bill? Yep. And, 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 and uh, under which incident was the 17,000? He was saying under uh, summer of 2020, after all the George, uh, George Floyd stuff, where everybody was, a lot of people arrested, 
literally two of them. Well, the, the, the thing that nobody talks about is when we were going to have uh, some demonstrations in New York, they were already flying in from Atlanta, Seattle, Portland. They were flying in. These were not New Yorkers that were going to have the demonstrations. And, and uh, it, it was just the American people have to wake up and, and realize what's going on. I remember yeah. at that time when they actually had on video those people vandalizing and desecrating St. Patrick's Cathedral. And Cy Vance, I'd always gotten along with him. He refused to prosecute them. Yeah, they are desecrating you know, the leading Catholic. Cy Vance was probably. on, uh, on uh, Meet the Press mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, Cy looked good. I mean, but I don't understand what happened to law and order. Yeah, right. and by the way, Cy uh, Vance talked also system. about Trump. Yes, yeah, I mean, when you hear this, uh, no one is above the law, then you know you're being misled. So the stats are the stats. 17,000 people plus were arrested during the George Floyd riot. Two wound up in state prison. They were in New York, by the way. That's all we could find after an exhaustive search. In addition... 7,000 people had to seek medical treatment in hospitals during the riots. 7,000. $2 billion worth of insurance damage, which means insurance paid off claims, $2 billion plus. No one was held accountable. No one. So what does that tell you? It tells you that the justice system in the United States has collapsed. It does not exist as we once knew it. There is no equal justice in this country. Well, certain people go to jail and other people don't. And that's not the way it's supposed to work. It's not the way it's supposed to work. And And they don't go for political reasons, and that brings us to Trump. So... The reason that Alvin Bragg and Cy Vance didn't prosecute or aren't prosecuting, in Bragg's case, violent criminals in some uh, situations is because most of them are minorities. And the left does not believe they should be punished because the system that we live in, according to the left, is unjust. But if you want to go after Trump, go right ahead. And we don't really care what you get him on. Just get him on something. Does that sound like equal justice to anyone? Absolutely not. And um, I'll tell you, Bill O'Reilly, I I don't know what to do about it right now. And uh, right now, uh, in Albany, and we're going to have Melissa DeRosa on later on uh, to talk about what the heck is going on in Albany. There is no budget. So uh, maybe uh, Governor Hochul is finally listening and putting her foot down, but we're going to find out, uh, I guess, uh, in the next week or two, who really is the governor. Is it the state senate being the governor of the state of New York, or is it the governor being the state, the, uh, the head of the state, of the, uh, the real governor in New York? Right. Um, and by the way, today, um, we heard Eric Adams and Keyshawn Sewell did this big press conference and talked about go on the subways, go here, you know, to avoid traffic tomorrow. And I thought, uh, go on the subways. I don't think I want to be going on the subways these days, Bill. Well, it was good advice. I mean, if you're going into Manhattan tomorrow, you're going to sit in the car for three, four hours. 
I'm trying to get out to Yankee Stadium tonight um, from uh, western Nassau County. I'm uh, budgeting about an hour 45 to get. I'm going against the, the rush hour traffic, but that's a myth. But, you know, getting back to the Trump thing, it, it disturbs me, not because I've known Trump for more than 30 years, but the hatred directed to him is unhealthy. So I'm running a soundbite tonight again, 9 o'clock WABC, about Bragg bragging when he was running for DA that he's going to get Trump. He's going to get him. Bragging about it. You elect me, I'm getting him. Well, that should be enough to disqualify him. He would have to recuse himself if this was an honest justice system. And it isn't. I'm glad you're playing that, Bill, because to me, every time I see that, I want to get your thoughts, Bill, too, about this word that there might be a gag order tomorrow. Um, I, I mean, yeah, they're talking about it. Yeah. How do you do a gag order on a presidential candidate? Well, it's not about that. The gag order would come down and say you can't discuss the case. Yeah, but Bill, in that case, I mean, everywhere Trump goes, he's going to be asked about that. That's going to be the issue. Well, I don't think that's constitutional, by the way, because when you're charged with a crime, you have a right to defend yourself. And saying you're innocent or discussing what happened is defending yourself, is it not? Absolutely. They may try it. Marshawn. Juan Marshawn. Juan Marshawn is the name of the judge. Right. And he's the one to put away Trump's CFO. Yep, Alan Weisselberg, for five months in jail. Oh, they'll get this out of here. Trump lawyers are going to get out of Manhattan. There's no doubt about it in my mind. It's not going to be tried here. I don't think it'll be tried at all, Um, but it's not going to be tried in Manhattan. Uh, You'll have have two. It's uh, it's Richard Weinberg, Bill. You have two things will happen right away. There'll be a motion for a change of venue, and right. then there'll be, and then there'll be a motion to dismiss the the indictment. And those will be very, very interesting things to see. Is uh, as recently as over the weekend, former Attorney General Barr said there is no crime here, not even a misdemeanor, because who was defrauded? Nobody was defrauded. There's no intent to defraud. This was an internal bookkeeping mechanism, and that's a very good argument. And that's the former Attorney General of the United States is a very smart lawyer. And no particular partisan of, of Donald Trump. Bill Barr said that. Bill Barr, the former Attorney General, said that. Who's and not a fan of Trump, really. He's not really. a fan of Trump, but he happens to be right on the law, and he's a very good uh, person on the law. I agree with him. Bill, uh, and Bill's absolutely yeah. right. It is unconstitutional to restrain Trump from speaking about this. Now, lawyers will tell him to dummy up and not say anything, but you're dealing with the Donald, so good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't well, think he didn't have anything to lose now. If I were his lawyer, I wouldn't say don't talk about the case. Mm-hmm. In most cases, that's good advice because what you can say will be used against you. But with Trump, even if he doesn't say it, it's going to be used against him. It doesn't <laughs> matter what he says. doesn't matter right. what he says. <laughs> right, Bill. Bill. Bill O'Reilly, I, I heard uh, that you have an update on us about uh, AOC running against uh, Kirsten Gildebrand. Sure. So – She's bored with the job already, um, Ocasio-Cortez. Um, and she, I always say that in, in a few years, she'll wind up on The View. You mark that down. That's where she's going to wind up. <laughs> Disney will hire her for a lot of money. But in the meantime, she's bored. All right, She represents the district. She's never in the district. Doesn't do anything for the district. Basically, she and her boyfriend are in Washington, D.C., 
and they're not really that well received because Nancy Pelosi doesn't like her. So she's not on the party circuit. Um, so she throws something out uh, when asked if she's going to run for higher office, um, and that would be Gillibrand's seat, which Andrew Cuomo wants, by the way. Um, and she says, well, I don't know. I'm not ruling anything out. But Cuomo has a far better chance to defeat Gillibrand than Ocasio-Cortez. And what people don't understand is that this is a media-manufactured celebrity, Ocasio-Cortez. She has no juice in Washington at all. She doesn't even understand most of the issues that are put before her. And the destruction of the uh, Amazon plant in Long Island City I remember. was one of the worst things that I've ever seen as far as it um, pertains to working men and women in this city. And she has literally no chance um, to defeat Gillibrand, whereas Cuomo does. He could. Now, before we take a break, uh, uh, what are you going to be talking about? A nine o'clock show, nine o'clock to ten o'clock, Bill O'Reilly, com- Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly. What are you going to talk about? Well, we're going to leave with the Trump stuff. But in addition to that, um, I'm going to get into how Americans are being manipulated now, not deceived. Everybody knows that we're being deceived by most media outlets. Right? They deceive people. But now we're being manipulated. And the best example was the 60 Minutes piece last night on the border, where they spent most of the piece talking to these poor migrants with children who are just devastated. And and that's what the center was. Look at these people. How can we keep them out? That's manipulation. And that's coming in a big way do the corporate media. So we'll get into that a little well, bit. Well, we'll be listening between For 9 sure. o'clock and 10 o'clock on WABCradio.com, BillOReilly.com, and uh, on your iPhone, 77WABC iPhone. Um, and uh, I, I just want to say one last thing about uh, before we take the break on AOC. She doesn't understand anything about what's going on. On the $28 billion, uh, and we want to give a rebate of $3 billion on uh, Amazon for Queens. She says, oh, we're going to use the three billion someplace else. Well, how dumb is it? <laughs> I mean, the deal was Amazon spends 28 billion. After they spend the 28 billion, then we give them three million, three billion back. It's, there is no three billion. I mean, that's, you know, somebody, uh, should get a, you know, a calculator. A for calculator. Her. Well, you would have thought at the bar. She yeah. was a bartender, right? She should have been able to yeah, figure she's out a the member difference. Of the bar. Yeah. It's, it's a bartender's union. John, all those facts you made, I, I don't know if the Democratic base cares about them. They live in their own world. They live in their own world. Bill O'Reilly, enjoy the uh, Yankee game tonight. Make sure you, you, you root for the right team. And when I was there last week, I had, I think, two or three Yankee hot dogs. They were great. They are the best. <laughs> Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what I talked about with Bernie and Sid today, the oil market. There goes inflation all over again. The American people are going to suffer. Let's take a break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. 
And we are back to Captain Cosby. John, you broke some big news this morning to the American public. Huge news after these surprise cuts with OPEC and what it's going to cost us at the pump. And and everybody, by the way, you can check it out. Also, there's a minicast uh, with Sid and Katz appropriately about it. So everybody, check it out. It's on the WABC website on uh, minicasts. Uh, uh, you know, the price of oil. We are in a world war right now when it comes to the price of oil. All of a sudden, over the weekend, what did Saudi Arabia do? They decided to stop 1.6 million barrels a day. Wow. So all of a sudden, oil goes up another. You know, last week, oil was $65 a barrel. All of a sudden, it's $81 a barrel. And Saudi Arabia says we want $100 a barrel. And And Goldman Sachs says uh, maybe Saudi Arabia will have $100 a barrel. So what happens? Russia, who's allied with, with China, and now allied with Saudi Arabia because they hate the White House. Saudi Arabia allied by, with Iran. China allied with Brazil. Allied with uh, Pakistan, India. Probably Venezuela. So. Yeah, Venezuela, Venezuela. Cuba. This is, what in the James Bond movies, what do we call it? The Spectre? The Evil Alliance. It's all happening it's at the same time. It's all happening. So, John, and, explain and, why and, that's and so big. And, and we lost Brazil, too. Yeah, John. Would, uh, yeah. And, what second, is, and we lost maybe Japan. Yeah. Japan said, screw you to the White House because they had a $60 uh, cap. cap on oil. They said, screw you. We're going we're to get it supplied. We don't care what it is. So, so one me, of my first days on the job here, was, that's when uh, Biden shut down the pipeline. And I'm thinking this is going to be big you know, at the gas tank. You said that's almost the least of it. It's going to cause inflation throughout the entire economy. Well, I predicted. Listen to the, the mini cast, we call it. It's only about 12 minutes. And I, it, what, what I predicted is, you know, uh, two weeks ago, oil was $65 a barrel. If it stayed at $65 a barrel, because Alaska is supposed to be opening up. But only part and it of it. down to 65 Only part of it. But it, it, it showed that maybe that the White House is getting uh, the message. The message. <laughs> right. Well, it's not. And I predicted that the prices of food are going to start going down. How do you forget about it? It's wow. It's not going to happen. So wait, let me ask you. Because two- what CEO in the food business with what just happened over the weekend on on oil is going to lower the price of of food. So it's going to cost us food. What about gas? Our, our gas, gas at the pump? Yeah, forget about it. I think diesel is going to go up at least 10, 15, 20 cents, and gasoline, the same thing. Gasoline is already yeah. up over well, the weekend. Hey, the good news, we, we're going into the summer. You don't have to worry about heating oil. Yeah, but, there, but we're going to be traveling more in the summer. Food is going to, not going to go down as it's supposed to be. And let's go, by the way, another problem. Albany, what the heck is going on up there? We got one smart lady with us. So tell us, introduce her. We sure do. I'm so fired up about what you just said, John, because this is a huge implication. And John, you have been ahead of the curve, big time on this, leading the leading I've been the right fight for about twelve months in a row. You've been right for how many years have you been on Earth now? Well, I did make a billion dollars. Okay, that's true. <laughs> and, and joining us now. And you wrote the book. And, and I wrote, wrote the book. book. And you wrote the book. And I read it twice, so I'm expecting two, two billion. billion. Right? Two billion. <laughs> and joining us now is another smart lady here on Cats and Cosby. I like tough ladies. She, she texted me yesterday and complained. 
I didn't have any ladies on the Cats Roundtable. Oh, my goodness. Well, Melissa, thank you. I'm glad. I'd like to have company. Melissa DeRosa, of course, the right-hand gal. of the population. We've got to be at least. 30% 30% of the cast round table. And you right? know I love tough women. Yeah, and by the way, you and I have a lot of spunk, so we make up for it, all right, Melissa? It's great That's to have right. you here. Give us a lowdown on Albany, my goodness. So, you know, things in Albany have completely gone sideways. The budget was due, the state budget was due on Friday, April 1st. They blew past the deadline. They all headed home, which it is their constitutional obligation to deliver a budget by April 1st. And I think the way that they acted, the legislature and the governor on Friday, shows you sort of like where the respect stands right now for the job these people are supposed to be doing. They packed it in. They went home for the weekend. Today, they come back from their weekend. And what did they do? The governor gives them a budget extender until April 10th, which essentially means last year's budget stays in place for another seven days. So they bought themselves another week. And the legislature is going to head out of town again for Passover, for Easter, and they're going to come back on Monday. And I, I, I want to know if Mike Janaris is taking off for Greek Easter. You know, look, probably. I imagine he is. But, you know, doing the budget is an art form. And this is a moment that sort of calls for Picasso and Kathy Hochul's finger painting. It's like you have to know how to use the levers of power and the pressure that's at your disposal to move the members. You also have to know when to give them carrots and when to move them along with things that they need to bring home to their constituents to have the leaders be able to say to their conferences, we have to be for this. There's a lot of education money. And, you know, she staked her governorship on doing these changes to bail, doing these changes to charter schools, doing these changes to housing. And I predict that in a week, they're going to be in the exact same place they are today. And I think at the end of this, she's going to end up with a budget where it's going to be lipstick on a pig, and she's going to have to make a bunch of not even half wins, quarter wins, third of wins look like wins. And so try to tell what does that mean for her reputation? What does that mean for her reputation and her governorship? Well, look, she's obviously already perceived as incredibly weak. You know, she barely beat Lee Zeldin last year, even though she had $60 million. And even though he was a Trump MAGA, you know, Republican in a state with only 22 percent Republicans, she gave away the pay raise, which is another instance where she clearly didn't understand the leverage that was at her disposal. And then they turned around and screwed her on Judge LaSalle and embarrassed her in historic fashion. And so I'm, I'm frankly, I don't think it could get any worse, Rita. The question is, what does it mean for New York? Because we need a strong functioning executive in New York if we're going to overcome the post-COVID out-migration, the affordability issues, the crime issues, the confidence issues, if we're going to make New York the place we all love it and want it to be again. And, and that's what's really scary to me. Judge, go ahead. Melissa, what I'm concerned about is who's going to be the new chief judge? We're going to get somebody who's a radical leftist on the court to go along and rubber stamp the radical left legislature, or you can have a common sense judge, he or she who follows the law and doesn't go along with rubber stamping a progressive agenda. What do you say? You know, I hear that she's going to go with Rowan Wilson, who is the African-American former lawyer from Long Island. He's already on the bench. Um, He was actually someone that we had appointed. I don't think of him as someone as being totally crazy, but on your litmus test judge, he did side with the minority in the redistricting case. So in the redistricting case, he was not with Janet Fiore. He was part of the minority that I think sort of interpreted the case politically and not on the merits. And so, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But that's what I'm hearing is is likely going to be the direction it goes. And you you agree with me that this is a very, very important decision for the state of New York and the future of the state of New York, don't you? 
hugely important, hugely important, because this legislature and this governor can pass all kinds of unconstitutional laws. And the only way that they're going to be stopped and kept in bounds is if the Court of Appeals is there to do the job, which is interpret and uphold the law and not swing politically left and right. And uh, Melissa, you were also I want to ask anything you're hearing about uh, Trump. Of course, that's the big story today, too. Any rumors you, you know, hear in uh, downtown? You know, at this point, it's all speculation. Obviously, what I thought, what I think is more interesting is sort of the political impact of all of this. You know, I don't know if you guys saw a poll was just released a few minutes ago, and it shows him at 56 and DeSantis at 27. He's got a larger lead today than he did at any point in 2016. And so I think that what's gone on with Alvin Bragg, and in my opinion, the case looks hyper-political. I think it's rallying Republicans around Trump. And I think that it's dividing the nation to a place where no one trusts the justice system. So I, I think it's I think it's not a great time for democracy right now. But yeah, well, this is a big thing. I, I agree completely. I, listen, whether you're Democrat or Republican, as I oppose Clinton's impeachment, to me, once you start this warfare, it doesn't end. And too many innocent people get caught. It's really an abuse of the system. No, I agree. And I think that if you're going to indict a former president of the United States, it better be for a damn good reason. And this was a case that the Southern District passed on in 2018. And I trust the Southern District <clears throat> lawyers, I'm sorry, more than I trust the ADAs in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. So, yeah. And Melissa DeRosa, thank you so much. I hear a rumor that you're going to have a show real soon. And we'll catch up. I hear up. the same rumor. Bravo. And I we'll like the rumor. Bravo, too many Melissa. women. Too many women. Never enough women. <laughs> Never Melissa. Enough. Never Melissa. Enough. We, need, we need tough Melissa. women. Come on in, Melissa. Come on into the ring. Uh, we're going to go right now to Lou Dobbs and find out how the market is doing. And uh, then when we come back, uh, who do we have? We got Andy, Andy McCarthy. McCarthy. Oh, very, my God. Very big okay. stuff with Andy Let's McCarthy. Let's go to Lou Dobbs first. You're commuting home. Cats and Cosby. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. The big story today, of course, President Trump getting ready for his arraignment, which is going to happen in a matter of hours. And joining us now here on the show is Andy McCarthy, a former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Andy, this is an unbelievable moment. Um, big news, too, that they added a new attorney, the Trump team. Tell us about that. Well, I think, Rita, it makes sense for him them to do that. The new guy is a former federal prosecutor in my old office, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. He's got a lot of experience, as I understand it, in white-collar uh, investigations. And, you know, we've, we've spent a lot of time in the last few weeks talking about the witnesses in this escapade because that's really – you know, the most interesting thing in front of us when we don't haven't seen the charges yet. But this is a you know, this is if it's a business records case, uh, the government's going to argue that the case is in the records. You know, that's what the Bragg's office is going to say. So it's good, I think, for for Trump's part that he got someone who is really experienced in this kind of case. You know, and uh, Judge Weinberg, you had a great point. You're telling us about what Bill Barr said. And I right. can't wait to get Andy's take on that. Andy, it's Richard Weinberg. I have to tell you, you had three very interesting articles recently. Uh Bill Barr, and you commented this, I think, on, on Fox. Bill Barr said there is no crime here because there was no intent to defraud. Would you explain that to our listeners? Yeah, I think, you know, the average person judge thinks that the, uh, and I, they, as they should, you know, because they haven't gone to law school like us and had their brains uh, screwed up. Watch, watch. So, right. <laughs> you know, they think that, you know, 
you have if you have false records, like if you have an entry in the business records that's false, that must be falsification of records. But that's actually not how the statute's written. What the statute says is that even if the records are false, the, pro- the prosecutor also has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the person who caused them to be false had a motive to defraud. And, you know, the, uh, there'll be a lot of arguing about what motive to defraud means. But, you know, for the most part, what it means to the average person is to swindle somebody out of uh, money or property. And in this instance, there's no evidence that uh, whatever you think of the conduct that happened here, uh, there's no evidence, at least that we know of to this point, that anybody was financially harmed by this. This was, you know, Trump's own company, his attorney general. It's all Barr. internal. It's all internal bookkeeping. Yep. Right. All right. And this... nobody's ever charged them with tax evasion or fraud or anything like that. Right. Now, the next article that you had, which I thought was absolutely terrific, is the, the overcharging, what lawyers and judges call surplusage. There are 34 counts in this indictment. And in your article, you point out, which I agree with, is the purpose of overcharging is to, is to try to get something mm-hmm. that a jury will agree on for a conviction. But this shows, in fact, that this is a weak case. Would you explain that? Yeah, the, the Justice Department, in fact, has rules against this, uh, internal rules for federal prosecutors. So obviously they don't apply to uh, New York State. But the idea is you don't want prosecutors trying to convey to the jury uh, that the guy, the defendant must be a bad guy because they took something uh, that was trivial and they sliced it and diced it and, uh, you know, stacked it the way creative lawyers do and turned it into a lot of counts. If you have a real serious case, I, you know, I look back on uh, my blind shake indictment from the 90s. I think I had, you know, five charges against the blind shake. He still got life plus. But when you have real serious crimes, you don't have to play these games of, uh, you know, taking one thing of conduct and turning it into 34 things. And especially when the federal prosecutors who actually have jurisdiction over federal campaign finance violations looked at this and saw zero counts. Yeah. And everybody, we're talking to Andy McCarthy, former U.S. attorney judge. You got another question. And in the third article you had, Andy, which I thought was another terrific article, you're saying everybody is saying, well, if Cohn pled out to campaign finance law violation, then Trump must be guilty as well because he was the principal. Could you explain? Boy, that's a false allegation. Well, I don't even think Cohn was guilty. But what people need to understand about that case is that Cohn, the Cohn case was not about campaign finance violations. Cohn was looking at a bank fraud count, uh, which was a, it, which is a 30-year count. So that's what drove his sentencing guidelines. He had one bank fraud count, and I think it was five tax evasion counts. Right. Th- those combined involved millions of dollars. That's what drove his sentencing guidelines, and that was what what he was going to be sentenced on. Uh, he was when when defendants are in that kind of condition, uh, it, obviously they have a motive to try to cooperate with the government because by cooperating with the government under the sentencing guidelines, you can get no jail time, even if you're looking at serious charges. His problem was to do that, you have to have someone or something to give up. And Trump was what they wanted. Uh, Trump wasn't involved in any of his fraud cases. So they said to him, basically, plead guilty to these two campaign finance charges. Uh, it's a it's a win for him because it doesn't add anything to his sentencing guidelines, but it makes him a more attractive witness to the government. And it was a win for the government because he was pleading guilty. So the case was never going to be tried in court 
or tested on appeal. Uh, but I don't really think even Cohen committed campaign finance violations. And even if he did, the laws are very different when you're talking about the donor as opposed to the candidate himself. So I just don't think there's anything to that argument. Andrew, uh, give a, we, we may have up to a million people listening right now. Give us the procedure that he, uh, uh, President Trump shows up at 11 o'clock in court. What goes on then? Because I know the judge is going to go look. I know the judge is going to go to lunch by twelve fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, my, no, my lunch, objection. No, my objection, counselor. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if the NYPD will. I, I you know, I think um, uh, what will happen is they'll be ready for him. This will all have been worked out by the Secret Service and the NYPD, who, which cooperate very well together. I point out, you know, all these terrorism trials we always talk about in the nineties. They took place in this small area of lower Manhattan. The, the NYPD is very good at security on this stuff. There's not going to be a January 6th uh, redux. That's not happening. Um, they'll have this thing secure. President Trump will be brought in. He'll be brought to a secure room. Uh, the police will have him be fingerprinted and photographed, as happens to anybody who comes into the system. Uh, he'll have an opportunity to to make statements, but the, he won't make any statements. He's been indicted, so they'd have to have his lawyers present. Um, I'm sure there's a few things President Trump might want to tell them, but um, uh, he'll probably save that for another day. Uh, and eventually, <laughs> eventually they'll bring him to a uh, to a courtroom. And uh, this judge, Juan um, Merchand, I think is going Marchand, to be the yeah. uh, the judge at least tomorrow. Uh, and because it's an indictment. This will be an arraignment. Sometimes when someone's arrested on just a, a police sworn complaint, they call that a presentment. and You don't have to enter a plea. But once you've been indicted by a grand jury, it's called an arraignment. Uh, and he will be asked to enter a plea. He'll plead not guilty. It's a nonviolent case. Uh, so bail won't be an issue. He'll be released on his own recognizance. But from there, John, the case is assigned to a judge. And we're off to the races. You know, there'll be discovery. There'll be motions to dismiss it. How did we case. end up we'll getting be- the same judge that uh, uh, that convicted or sent to jail uh, his CFO? Well, our judge here would probably have a better read on that than I do. But judge, I don't judge think Weinberg, it's, certain. it's a related yeah, case. I don't think it's certain that they argue it's yeah, a related I, case. I guess so. I mean, I, guess, I I'm not uh, as swift on the on how the workings of the state court go as okay. far as that goes. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see if he keeps the case. Yeah, it sure will. Andy yeah, McCarthy, yeah. thank you so much for being with us, Andy, walking us through a big day tomorrow, a historic day. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Let, let's, let's, uh, Actually, we, we got William Parker now. We got Talk. William Parker, 37 yeah. years in the Navy. Absolutely. Yeah, and he's CEO back. of Parker Maritime Technologies, as you mentioned, a retired U.S. Naval officer. Uh, Dr. Parker, big news today. We just have a few minutes here. Um, but I want to ask you about the Chinese spy balloon, a new report that it actually gathered intel over our sensitive U.S. military facilities. Uh, what The Biden administration said no harm. They waited to shoot it down. Uh, but now we're finding out it sounds like it gathered a lot of intel. Uh, I don't think anybody's surprised about this. But, you know, we knew it was coming. It went over the Aleutians. It went over Alaska and then came over to the continental United States. So it wasn't like we were surprised that it showed up. Um, but the reality is, sure, it had electronic signals, intelligence, capability, collection. And uh, probably looked at our weapon systems, looked at uh, communications between base personnel, et cetera. 
And amazing. What do you think they gathered? By the way, there were reports, John, that it was doing figure eights over our sensitive military bases. So it wasn't like accidentally hovering. No, this was this was no accident at all. They were very specific in where they flew this balloon over. It didn't just float across the uh, across the country. Um, and, and the reality is, they they did collect a lot on weapon systems. They certainly collected or tried to collect at least on uh, on communications between individuals. And I still think we shouldn't have shot it down. I think we should have captured it uh, before it ever came into the United States and seen what exactly was in there. Uh, Bill Parker, uh, this Wall Street Journal reported that it was captured. What say you about that? The guys well, in Russia. If, yeah, if, if, yeah if, 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 I, I'm sorry. Say again about the capture. We, uh, they, the one who the, was arrested. The, Russian, the, uh, the Russians the, arrested a Wall Street Journal reporter. Okay. Yes. Um, so yeah, they did, and uh, they're you know they're playing hardball as always. What Putin does is he finds something, he grabs it, and then says, "Okay, now negotiate on this." Uh, so he wants to walk away from negotiating about. Ukraine itself and start negotiating on other things. And this is just one of those, just similar to the Taliban snatching up three Brits and uh, and holding them and our $80 billion of equipment that we left behind. Wow, really scary. Well, Dr. Parker, thank you for updating us on those two huge stories today. Also as well, China and also the American held. I'm just going to ask Dr. Parker one more question. Were you surprised what Saudi Arabia did to us? Absolutely not. I wasn't surprised at all. When, when you look at the fact that he, uh, Xi went to Russia first and then after talking to China initially, then went back and had phone calls with them. This is all planned out to make sure that Russia has more money and, and, uh, Xi and China are pumping up their chests right now saying we're controlling the flow of oil, not you. Thank you, Dr. Parker. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you. Look forward to it. Let's take a break. By the way, some breaking news. One of my favorite subjects. Okay. Papaya King on 86th Street and 3rd Avenue is relocating across the street so you can still have great Frankfurters. By the way, they have the best hot dogs. The best. They do. That's good news then. Good that news. is good Papaya news. Papaya King is surviving after 90 years. Wow. That's a big Let's story. Let's go to that break. And when we come back. We got I, Roger Stone. We got Roger Stone to close up the, the, the show. And he's got some crazy things to talk about. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And joining us now on Cats and Cosby is the great conservative political consultant, someone who talks to President Trump almost every day, Roger Stone. Roger, what are you hearing? This is a stunning moment in history. Well, it's kind of like uh, I'm reminded of Casey Stengel when he said it's deja vu all over again. Donald Trump is not only about to be subjected to politically motivated charges, which I think are thin at best, uh, in essence, taking a business records reporting misdemeanor and trying to boost it into a felony. But now I think there's a very real possibility uh, that the judge in this case will issue uh, a gag order in which he cannot discuss the case, which given the fact that he is a candidate for president of the United States uh, and that such a a gag order would be unconstitutional, I think is an attempt uh, to deny him the right to defend himself and to question the motives of the prosecutor. And in this case, the judge in uh, this case, that's exactly what they did to me. I was gagged for 16 months. It was done to not only hamper my ability to defend myself in the 
uh, you know, in the court of public opinion, but also to make it much more difficult to raise, uh, in my case, uh, legal defense funds, in his case, campaign funds. Uh, I think it is outrageous, but I think it is part uh, of the Democrats' game plan, to be honest. Uh, Roger, this uh, the judge that might give him the gag order, if it happens uh, uh, tomorrow, is the same judge that put his CFO into jail? That is correct. At this point, it appears the same judge who heard that case. What is his name? Hear, you know? will hear this case. Marchin. Marchin. Judge Juan Marchin. Yes. Yeah, I'm unclear on how that could be. Judge is supposed to be picked at random. How that judge ends up with this case, uh, I, I really don't know. Look, Trump's uh, new lawyer announced today, Todd Blanche, who I don't know, but I hear. So you say, uh, Roger, you say new lawyer. Does that mean he fired all the old ones? Lead attorney in this, based on what I just read. Uh, so he's new lead attorney. Right, will be Todd Blanche. Uh, and uh, Mr. Blanche, I think, is going to have to move to recuse the prosecutor, move to, to challenge any gag order, move to recuse the judge. That's a very tall order. That takes a, a lot of, that uh, 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 takes huge legal cojones, but he has to mount a very aggressive defense within the confines of the law. Uh, and given the fact that everything that's transpired so far has only made Trump stronger, both in terms of his political positioning and the polling uh, and financially he's now raised $7 million since the announcement that he is going to be charged. Um, wow. I think that they, that they must seek to gag him to limit the obvious political benefit he's getting out of this miscarriage of judging uh, of justice. Now, what, are, what would be the strategy? I mean, uh, uh, if they gag him, and that's based on the, uh, you know, he's running for federal office. Does the judge, does does the uh, uh, his lawyer go into federal court and say you can't gag a man that's running for federal office? To me, it seems like a violation of First Amendment. I mean, this is stunning. Uh, but I think you would have to go through the New York state courts first. Uh, and if you're unsuccessful in removing the gag order there, uh, based on constitutional and free speech arguments, then and only then, I think, could you take this to the federal courts. But again, I'm I'm not an attorney, uh, and uh, maybe we should ask uh, okay. a good lawyer about that. We will get a lawyer on it, and we'll ask it. Rita, you got one uh, more question? Yeah, you know, Roger, you tweeted out a little bit ago, and i got to ask you about this here on Cats and Cosby, uh, that you are hearing that the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, may now bring additional charges of obstruction against Donald Trump based on his criticism of Bragg and the judge in this case. Are, are you? Is that really that he would, that what, president's not supposed to speak out? I actually saw an interview with former Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance Jr. Uh, in which he said that. And I, I would have to believe that he is in the know. Uh, look, I think that they've take, this indictment is so weak that, and so politicized uh, that they may seek in that way to strengthen their hand. One thing you can be sure of, Donald Trump is going to plead not guilty tomorrow, and he's going to do so in a loud, strong voice. How does he speak tomorrow night, by the way? You know, I mean, that's the thing. He's supposed to do a speech at Mar-a-Lago tomorrow night. Honestly, uh, I think he has to, he may have to recalibrate his comments tomorrow night based on the specifics uh, of a gag order. 
theoretically, the gag order would be limited to the specifics of this case, but it would include, theoretically, criticism of the prosecutor, criticism of the judge. So he may have to do a complete rewrite, but you know Donald Trump, he'll never cancel. (laughs) No, that's for sure. Wow. Well, very explosive. Uh, Roger Stone, really great to have you here on the show, and we will see what happens tomorrow. This is historic. If they put a gag order, don't you think, John? I mean, to me, it is so well to, to, to put a gag order on a federal uh, on a, you know, on a city charge or state charge. It's uh, I guess we have to ask a lawyer. I don't know. And why is running? for? I'm president? only an honorary lawyer. Yeah, you are. And you're a good one, by the way, a good honorary one. And while he's running for president. Wow. This is amazing. Roger Stone, you know, to keep your eyes open, your ears open and uh, anything good to report. Let us know. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, John. Really great to be with you. You too. Thank you, Roger. Well, we're back. In in uh, 16 months on a gag order, what were they afraid of? What is the guy going to say? Right, Roger Stone. And now Peter King. I mean, you were a congressman 28 years. What is the guy going to say? A gag order for 16 months? No, that was definitely overreach against Roger Stone. But it's even worse if they try anything with Donald Trump. He's former president of the United States. He has to be able to defend himself. He could have his opponents out there saying, you're a thief, you've been indicted, you're a crook and all that. He's not allowed to defend himself. This is insane. Absolutely. Well, me and the judge uh, had uh, lunch uh, with a... Uh, a, a survivor from the Holocaust today, and uh, his name was David, no last names. Uh, and are we in Nazi Germany, 1937? I uh, I don't think so, and I certainly hope not. I hope not. But I mean, I, but I, it, it seems like, you know, they're trying to do everything. Look, the fact of the matter is somebody has to wake up the fact that the criminal justice system is being weaponized, it's being abused for political purposes. As Congressman King has pointed out numerous times, if it's weaponized against Donald Trump, it could be weaponized against the Bidens and the Democrats as well. Yeah. So once you go down that slippery path, you have to be very, very careful. Unbelievable. It's They're talking about a gag order. John, that's amazing. A gag order. A ga- and he wants a gag order on a former president. Unbelievable. While he's campaigning, by the way, now in the leading candidate, Unconstitutional. too. Unconstitutional. Well, yeah. you know, I hear, I hear that music. You know, when I hear that music, I think we're on a Daily Planet building. And uh, we're we need, not, by we're the not. way, we need Superman, by yes, the way. We we and we're going to be something. covering this tomorrow, John, wall to wall on Cats and Cosby with the latest, of course, a huge day tomorrow. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. And, uh, you what know, we, we try for? to get the truth out. And you know what we stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America. We need God's blessing. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.